only person right here that's pumped. Y'all are excited, right? Because it's going to be like 70 degrees for like five days, and then it's going to be 105. There's no in-between. Okay, so let's celebrate the five days of 70 we got right now. It's a great Sunday to be in triumph. Amen? I just want to take a moment to welcome all of our guests in the house. This is your first time or maybe first time in a long time. We want to welcome you back. And this is our uh, connection card in the seat back pocket in front of you. If you'd fill it out and uh, place it in the offering when it passes by, maybe we can connect with you, pray with you about any needs you might have, and just see how, uh, how you fit as a, as a puzzle piece in the puzzle that is Triumph Church. God is just building uh, his kingdom. And we believe that you are a piece of that. So we want to connect with you. So if you're a guest in the house, please make sure you put that in the offering as it passes by. And also I want to welcome our online guests, our online family. Get a cup of coffee, sit down, get comfortable because God has a word for you as well. Amen? All right. So I just want to encourage you in your giving today, uh, just stay faithful because he's faithful. You know, I could have a, a ton. There's so many uh, offering ser sermons and giving sermons, and pastor's going to encourage us in our giving today as well. But I want to tell you, we are faithful because he is always faithful. It doesn't have to be about just finances. It can be in our healing in our relationships, in our peace in our house. You know, sometimes I give and I proclaim my seed to just be peace and joy in my house. Sometimes you just got to ask that to be the, the abundant harvest in your home for that seed. Amen? Talking about uh, harvest, our youth worked this Saturday and we raised about $600 for our youth in at our garage sale. Yep. You should have seen some of your youth and some of the parents out there, man. We were, we were working a dollar. Let me just tell you that we were hustling that garage sale. But anyways, I just believe there's even more. We're teaching our young kids, our young teenagers, our young students how to not just ask the Lord to give, but to give us the opportunity to work so that we can receive and give back to the kingdom of God. Amen? They need to be a part of sowing into the house. They need to be a part of seeing what work will do when God blesses your work, right? So anyways, we got a huge uh, harvest Saturday. And actually, right after church, we're going to open those doors right down the way by the kids' uh, sanctuary. When you go in there, the next one over is where the garage sale is. We're going to open it for about an hour. So if you want to walk through there, everything that is made is actually going to our youth ministry, okay? So uh, be generous, and I think that's it. I think that's everything for right now. So let's pray over our tithe and offering. Father, we just thank you that you have been so faithful. We lack no good thing because we, we, we know where it all comes from, and we give it right back to you, Father. I ask that you would heal homes, heal hearts, heal relationships. Father, I just thank you that this, uh, this seed, Father, would do much more than just be financial provision, but, Father, that it would do so, go to every need, every lack, spiritual, mental, physical, Father, whatever the need is, that it would be that. It would be that harvest in those homes in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it. We give it right back to you. We ask that it would be blessed, blessed, blessed in Jesus' name. Amen.
today. It's so good to be with all of you as we worship God. Man, did you feel God in the room today while you were worshiping? Man, I sure did. Um, uh, how many of you enjoyed, last week I was at our uh, Triumph Angleton campus and uh, just ministering to that congregation. As you know, they lost one of their pastors and uh, just spent some good time down there. Pastor Ryan is doing well. Uh, thank you for all those that have asked uh, about, how, about him. Uh, he asked me to go in and not be too serious and just uh, just love on the people a little bit and, and preach to the people. And so I did. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I preached there four years ago, and I did so well that they invited me back four years later. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure I told Ryan, uh, I said, I'm pretty sure after last week it'll be another four years, man. But we had a, we had a really good time. I don't know how much we got done, but uh, I've... Uh, man, but the, the people were just wonderful. They, they, they thank you all for so many of you that came down for the services and the viewing, and they just said, asked me to please tell you thank you. And, and Pastor Ryan said, please tell you all thank you for your prayers and your support. Uh, but how many of you enjoyed Bishop last Sunday? Um, I, I heard that he just did uh, fantastic and uh, just, just knocked it out. He so enjoyed seeing all of you and, and hanging out and, and getting to spend some time with you and it's always good to honor our founding pastors. Um, you know, the principle of honor should never go away in your life. And uh, so it's really good uh, to, to have him here. I, I wish I got to be here. I did race over here and get to have lunch with him. Uh, but uh, all things, uh, things are going well in Nederland, and, and um, mom and uh, bishop send, send their love. So I want to start a new series today. And uh, I'm just, just going to tell you right up, um, right up front, uh, and, you know, uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about giving for the next couple of weeks. And I know what you're thinking right now. You're going ahead and grabbing your wallets right now, and, and you're, checking, uh, you're checking out, and you're thinking, you know, here's another preacher talking about money. Uh, I, I'm going to, but a couple of things to say. First of all, Jesus preached uh, about 32 parables he spoke about when he was on, on the earth, and 16 of them were about money. So, um, you know, I don't talk about money every Sunday. But if you were in Jesus' ministry, if you were a follower of Jesus, he talked about money half the Sundays. So you've got it good. So don't tune, don't tune me out for the next few weeks, okay? Uh, here's another one, another thought for you. There are approximately 500 verses of Scripture in the Bible on prayer. How many think prayer is important? 500 verses on prayer. Guess what? There are about 2,000 on money. I, I've been reading uh, my, my one-year Bible again, and, and I've been... In, uh, in Leviticus and Numbers, and like day after day, all we read about is the offerings that, they list the offerings that people brought and the sacrifices and the offerings, and it's it just one after the other after the other. And it's, it makes for very boring reading, but it reminds you of the importance uh, that God places on this subject. And I know that I, I fully understand that over the last um, 30 or 40 years, uh, preachers have gotten reputations of being all about money and all about, you know, uh, promising health and wealth and happiness. And if you, if you give into this offering today, God's going to give you a bland, brand new helicopter to fly around in. And look, I understand there are extremes in, in the gospel, but there are extremes in, in, the, in the body of Christ, but there are extremes in a number of areas. But we can't, my, my dad had a saying all my life growing up, you've probably heard it, but he'd say, Randon, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. 
You heard that before? I know I'm a little country sometimes. Don't throw the, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, but that's what we often want to do when it comes to the subject of giving and, and money in the church. We all know that there are extremes in the body of Christ, and I'm not here to sell you that, but we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater and the principles of giving that are so important in our life. And so uh, I, I'm, I'm a really big believer um, and uh, I, I was raised by a teacher. My father's a teacher. And so I really, I really believe in teaching people. And, and I, I want to talk to you about the subject because I, I think giving um, and tithing and these subjects, it's more than just about money. It's a bigger picture. Yes, we have to talk about money, but it's bigger than that. And, and it's, in a, personal, it's a personal, personal thing. And um, my, my giving, and Lindsay and I, our giving, our tithe, it's very personal to us. It matters to us deeply in our heart. It, 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 has, it, it matters to my family. It matters to God. And, and it's not just about the number on the front of the envelope. It's a reflection of our heart. Um, and, you know, and I'll talk to you over the next couple of weeks about how finances work in this church and try to explain it to you because I know lots of one of the other things that churches were famous for, you know, years and years ago was uh, what we call funny money and not handling finances well. And I want to talk to you about what we do in this church because I want you to know that when you give, yes, our, our giving is being received by God in heaven, but it's being well managed here as well. And so we'll talk about some of that um, so, so giving is per- personal. Uh, you know, Lindsay and I, yeah, we're extremely blessed. We work hard. God has blessed us. We try to be good stewards. We know that God's blessings are on our lives. Uh, but, you know, I don't have money. We don't have money laying around in shoeboxes looking for a place to throw it to. That's not, that's not how we live. We, we manage our finances. We have priorities in our life. We have values. We focus our finances on those values. Um, I was... I was reading an article the other day. I can't remember the, the name of the drug lord, but one of these drug lords that they um, captured here in the last number of years, they said of him that he had so much money in cash hidden all over the place that if you could ever collect all the money and put it into a bank, he would have been the richest person on the planet. That's not me. First of all, I'm not a drug lord. <laughs> and secondly, I don't have money hidden in places, right? Like, like, that's not me. So when Lindsay and I choose to give, it's a very personal thing. When we were very young, uh, Lindsay, I don't even know if Kennedy was born when this story happened, but if he was, she was very, very young. Uh, we had her when we were uh, first married. So a uh, year into our marriage, we had a baby. So it had to be like right on early in our marriage. We went to Dallas for this conference and uh, it, was a, it was a small invitation for pastors uh, to come to. And one of Lindsay and I's heroes was speaking at this conference. And while we were sitting there, I leaned over to Lindsay in the middle of it, and I said, Lindsay, I really feel like God is telling us to sow into their life and their ministry right now. And she said, okay, what do you want to do? Well, we had saved like $1,500 to go on vacation. It took us like a long time. We were very... Very, very poor when we just got married. And this took us a year and a half, income taxes, returns, working extra, and we had saved like $1,500 to go on vacation. And I said, Lindsay, I think we need to give that money. And she, you know, started sweating a little bit. And she, but we have, this, we have this principle in our life that if one of us feels it, we go with it. Because we always feel like, let's not take a chance here. And so she, she trusted me. We went with it. And so I wrote this note. 
And, and she was in full agreement. And, and so I wrote the note the, and, and I wrote this beautiful letter to, uh, to the pastor. And we wrote a check right there. And we're like, well, I don't know how we're going on vacation, Lord, but it's, we're going to sow this seed because that's what we feel like God is telling us to do. So I, I let Lindsay read it. I said, how do you feel? She said, let's do it. I feel good about it. So after it was over, we handed it to him. We kind of sl- had someone send it to him. We didn't go up to him. Well, he called us in the hallway after the, the, the meeting was over. And he said, Randall Lindsay, I just want to thank you guys for, for what you've done. He said, thank you for the offering. He said, I'm going to tell you, the, the offering doesn't mean anything to me. But the, the letter you wrote means the world. And I thought, then give me the check back. Dude, I'll write you a letter every week. <laughs> Done. Yeah, give me the check back because that offering meant so much to me. And, and, you know, and he hugged us and he loved on us and, and it was uh, all good. And we were, we were so happy that we sowed it. He's blessed our life time and time again over. It's that, that we've seen that fruit born more than we can even uh, tell you. But in that moment, like, I understand what he was saying. But for Lindsay and I, he didn't quite grasp what this offering meant and how personal it was to us. I, I, know, I, I want you to understand, I, I tell you that story because I want you to understand something today, that your giving is personal. Whether your check is small or huge, what, whether, whether you get on the app and, and, and you're giving a little or you're giving a lot, it's personal to you because it says something about your life. And this is what I want to talk to you about. And so the, the title of our series, it's personal, but we're going to talk today about why, why giving and tithing is personal to me why, and why I believe it should be personal to you. I'm going to talk to you about, about my life. How many want to learn this morning? How many promise me you're not going to tune me out for the next 30 minutes? Okay, about 50%. That ought to work. Okay. Um, Hebrews chapter 6, and, and we, we read these, some of these verses at the beginning of the year. Um, but I kind of want to pick them up, and then I want to go into chapter 7. And the writer of Hebrews is, is talking about Abraham, and he's telling the story of Abraham, but also an, another uh, figure in the Old Testament. And he's, he's giving this personal story about Abraham in which God promised to bless Abraham. And we pick up in verse 18 of chapter 6, and he said, So God has given both his promise and his oath, and these two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. Then notice this verse 19. a new character from Genesis chapter 14 that we need to know about. Jesus was a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Now, I'm not going to go into all of the the biblical lineage of why he says this today, but he is differentiating between the the law or the law of Moses. In the law of Moses, there was 
the, the order of the priest, the high priest, Aaron and the Levites, and it came through there, and they were the high priests. But before the law ever happened, so the writer is making something clear. So, so one of the big arguments in, uh, in, in today's world is that, you know, I, I'm not under the law, therefore, you know, tithing doesn't re- apply to me. That's fine. Here in the book of Hebrews, he's going to show us how Abraham tithed long before there was a law because it had something to do with his heart. When we fast forward after the law, it's not about the law, it's about your heart. This this is why it's personal to me, because it's about my heart. It's about my relationship with with Jesus. And then, so he goes on in verse 7, now in chapter 7, Remember this, and, and, and you'll hear me say this uh, throughout your, our time together, that when they wrote these verses, when they wrote these letters, they didn't have chapters and verses in them. So someone came along later, and I'm glad that they did. Translators came along later and added chapters and verses so we could study the Bible better and remember where things are located. Are you tracking with me? So when this was written... There was no break between chapter 6, verse 20, and chapter 7, verse 1. And we see this because he says, he ends the chapter with, he has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Wait a second, he's introduced a new character. Now he picks up in verse 1. This Melchizedek was king of the city of Salem and also priest of the Most High God. When Abraham was returning home after winning a great battle against the kings... Melchizedek met him and blessed him. Then Abraham took a tenth of all he had captured in battle and gave it to Melchizedek. The name Melchizedek means king of justice and king of Salem means king of peace. Are you tracking with me now? Abraham goes into battle and he, he, he defeats all these other kings. He has the spoils of war, everything he had taken from his conquest, and he's on his way home with him. And before he ever gets home to spend it, he meets Melchizedek and gives him a tenth or a tithe of everything. This is long before there was a law. This was the heart of Abraham. Now, we keep going. There's no record of his father or mother. And this is how we know that Abraham saw Melchizedek as being so much greater than him. We know it by what he gave. Look at it. Abraham recognized this. What is the this? The this is how much greater Melchizedek is. By 
giving him a tenth. So what, what, does, that, what does that tell us? Let's keep reading because he's going to talk a little more. Now the law of Moses required that the priests who were... shifting. Under the law, the priests did it because they were required to. But the writer of Hebrews is making a, a point to remind us that Abraham did this not because it was a law, not because he was going to be punished to hell if it didn't happen. He did it because it was a reflection of his heart. So for Abraham, his tithe, his giving was a very personal thing, and it was a reflection of how he felt about God. It was a reflection of his relationship with God. Your personal relationship, one of the ways that we can see it is in your giving. Just, just the, this is the principle the Word of God is teaching us. What does your giving say about your relationship with God? One of the reasons that tithing is so important is because it proves a trust in God that other things don't prove. And it's not the only way we see your relationship with God. We see it in so many other ways that Jesus talks about and Scripture talks about. But this is one of the important ways that we can, we can recognize your relationship with God is by your gift. Now, I'm not going around and checking all your tithing records. I'm not, I'm not walking around with, a, with a, a roster list on Sunday morning and going, yep, that dude's not saved. He didn't get she needs a little more Jesus in her life. That's not, that's not, that's not my place. Are you tracking with me? But it's personal to you, and it's personal to me. Abraham felt that Melchizedek was, was greater than him and had blessed him. He was, and he recognized a source greater than himself. He had this anchor. And so I want to give you, um, I I wanna give you today three reasons, three reasons why tithing is personal to me. Three reasons. Here's number one. Tithing is personal to me. Because God must be first in my life. God, God must be first in my life. When you look at Genesis chapter 2 through 5, you see that this principle that Cain, who was a farmer, brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering. He brought some of the fruits. But Abel, a rancher, bought, brought the firstborn of his flock. Abel was blessed. Cain's offering was rejected. Because Abel put God first. God has to be first in my life. You see this as a theme that runs throughout. Abraham gave his portion before he got it home and, and gave any away. God even put being first in his top 10 list. Think about this, Exodus chapter 20, verse one. And God spoke all these words. He said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Here's number one. The number one of the 10 commandments is, you shall have no
religious God. He's a relational God. And he wants to be first in your heart. He wants to be first in your life. So, so we have to get this understanding. Look, my, my wife is not first in my life. She knows this principle, but she doesn't always like to hear me say it. <laughs> Ladies, you should not be first in your husband's life. In fact, you don't want to be first in your husband's life. But here's what Deuteronomy said. Your God is a jealous God, and you don't want him be je being jealous of you. You tracking with me? Like, like, I want God to be thinking about me, but I don't want God to be thinking about me because he's upset with me. So in my life, my family is not first. My wife is not first. I, as much as I've given my whole life to Triumph Church to all of you, you are not first in my life. He's first in my life. It's God one, my wife two, my family three, and you're four. You're not even number two or number three, I hate to tell you. You got... <laughs> This, this is the reality, and, and is, is God has to be number one in my life. Nothing else can be, or I am literally breaking the first commandment. And, 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 and I'm going to have a, a God jealous in my life. I can't have this. So God, you're number one. Because that's, that's the only place he wants to have relationship is number one. He wants to be number one. You say, well, uh, you know, that's being religious. No, 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 no. God's not religious. He's relational. He wants to be first. He wants to be Lord. It is an issue of lordship. Um, you may have heard this statement before. He's either Lord of all or not at all. See, th this is how God is. He's either one or he's out. He, I'm either Lord of everything or I'm not Lord at all. When I think about, when I think about my relationship with my wife, all right, and remember, the, the, the God calls the church his bride. My wife and I are either our one and only, or we're nothing. You see this, this TV, the TV commercial where they're talking about the slingers parties? But there, it's, it's code for, for swingers in these open marriages, which is a very popular thing in our world. That's not how we roll in this family. I'm just being honest. That's not how we roll. It's her and it's me. It's everything. It's only or it's nothing. Now, I, I'm not here to, to, to condemn anyone that's made mistakes in your life. Because here's the fact of the matter is, we've all made mistakes in our relationship with God and fallen away. And yet he loved us and received us back. But as a principle that we live by, it's me and Lindsay and, and no one else. And in, 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 the, in the same way works in our life, I don't give God part of my life and part of my heart and part of this. Oh, Lord, Lord, you're going to be Lord over here, but you're not going to be Lord over there. No, it's Lord of all or not at all. Are you tracking with me? Because it's personal. You see, you see, I'm not just talking about giving today. I'm talking about your heart and I'm talking about my life. He's Lord of all of my life, or he's not Lord at all in my life. Abraham understood who was Lord. God asked Abraham for his firstborn, and God took him up, and, and he was ready to sacrifice him on the mountain. Why? Because God was Lord of all. God's got to be first. Number two, it's personal to me because we put God first 
by giving him the first of everything. Here's what Leviticus says. A tithe of everything from the land, whether from the grain of the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. A tithe of everything. Let's think beyond giving today. Um, We come to God the first portion of our year in prayer and fasting. We do, as a church, 21 days of prayer and fasting every January. And I know that, that every year so many people lock on, many for the first time, fast for the first time in their life. And I celebrate what God does and what's doing in your life. And we see miracles. We see God move. But the principle of it is if God never does a miracle during 21 days of prayer and fasting, we would still do it because it's about putting God first in our year. Are you tracking with me? You see, so often we get caught up in the, in the give and the get from God. Look, you can't outgive God. He wants to give to you, wants to bless you, but that's not why we do it. That's not why we do it. I, we, we, we give to God because of who He is. It's a reflection of our heart. So it's the first of everything. Uh, for a long time in my life, and, and I don't, I'm not saying this is a problem for you in this room, I'm telling you, this is, this is personal to me, so I'll, t- I'll tell you my story. I was a big believer, and, and I would not pray first thing when I woke up in the morning. And the reason I didn't was because I felt like I was not awake. I, w- I, was, I, w- I would pray and fall back asleep. You know, I'm, I'm not a morning person at all. It, it takes, it's just I'm not a morning person. So when I would wake up and pray early in the morning, or even as soon as I woke up, I wasn't giving God the best of my time. So what I started doing was, Praying later in the day, often in the evening, when, when I start ramping up, you know, my wife is getting tired and ready to go to bed. My daughter and I are night people. We start ramping up. I become really chatty at night. I just do. And, and, and so I would pray later in the day because I felt like I was giving God the best of my time. But then I began to realize, and this is where God convicted me personally, as he said, Randon, you say you're going to give me the best of your time, but often the best of your time is going to your marriage or the best of your time is going to your kids or the best of your time is going to doing work for the church, all of which are wonderful things, but you're not really doing what you say you're going to do. So what I'm really asking you for is the first of your time. Now, this, this was me, and, and I'm not telling you don't pray at night. I do pray at night. I'm not telling you if you don't pray first thing when you wake up, you're not holy and you need to give, give your life to Jesus today. I'm telling you this is what the Holy Spirit convicted me with. And when I started praying first thing in the morning, my whole life changed. When I started putting God first, my entire life changed. And I'll tell you more about that in a minute. But I began to see how God was blessing the rest of my day because I was giving him my first I'm not a morning person. God, it's not my best. God said, it's okay, Randon, from you, I need your first. So I I prove that God is uh, first in my life by giving him the first of everything. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23, let's go back to giving for just a second. I, I love this verse. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God in first place in your life. The purpose of tithing is not so God will make you rich. It's not. I'm I'm not here today 
promising you, I'm not preaching you a prosperity message that if you give today, God's going to overflow your house. You're going to have cash coming out of every pocket. It's going to be wonderful. I'm not promising you that today. I'm telling you the purpose of tithing in your life is to teach you to always put God in the first place. Are you tracking with me? God wants to bless you, but we often get confused. We think the blessings of God equals cash money, things. Quit limiting God in your life. Quit, quit limiting God. God's not, he, he, he's not always thinking about, we, we're thinking about blessings, and the moment we say blessings, we think about money. And God's saying, I've got, I got so much more I want to do. I want you to realize, anytime you confine God to one thing, you limit what he can do in your life. God wants to bless every area of your life. But he wants to be in the first place. This is the purpose of, of, of why he instituted the tithe, was to make sure that he teaches us how to put him in the first place. Why? Because money is hard to let go of. Money's hard to let go of. You say, well, Pastor Randy, it wouldn't be so hard if I had plenty of it. That's not true either. Money is hard to let go of. Money is something tangible that we see. Money is something tangible and visible that we can put our trust in. And yet we're, we're, we are forced to have faith in a God that we can't see. So when it comes to tithe, he's, he's talking about tithe here. The order is important and the amount is important. So the word tithe literally translates 10%. And, and we see in Scripture time and again that it was the first 10%. Um, for many people... Uh, believe it or not, for many people, it is easier to tithe when you're broke than when God starts blessing you financially. For whatever reason, when you don't have any money, it's like, man, I can't put, can't put my trust in my, my bank account anyway. I might as well trust God. When your bank account gets full, it's, it's like, well, well, you know, I still trust God, but not, not quite 10%, right? But this is the reality. You say, well, man, if I ever had money, I would do this. It looks like God... God the, the, the difficulty in our heart is to put God first no matter what amount is in our account. It's just to always trust God. So, um, how much is the tithe and how do we know what is the tithe? I, I saw a pastor do this illustration one time and it really kind of stuck with me. So I have, I have 10 ones here and I, I, uh, I forgot to stop and get some cash this morning. So collecting uh, 10 $1 bills from a society that, is not, that doesn't carry cash anymore is quite difficult. But I found it. Uh, believe it or not, one of, our, one of our teenagers had dollar bills on him. Um, none, none of the adults in my life had any, but he did. <laughs> so I've got $10 here. So you all did great in math. You aced your star test or whatever your tax test, whatever you took in your generation. You were mathematicians, and you know how to do percentages. So I have $10 here. How much is the tithe? Oh, you're so good. I knew you could do it. I had so much faith in you. So $1 is the tithe, right? $1 is the tithe. It's very simple. I made $10. $1 is the tithe. The second question is, how do I know which one is the tithe? They all look the same. The first one, but okay, I can rearrange the order. How do I know which one's first? It's very simple. The first one that you spend. The first one you spend. So I've got $10 here. Which one do I want to spend first? This one. 
spend that one first, that's the tithe. It's very simple. Don't overcomplicate it. Whichever one you spend first. Why? Because God wants to be first in your life. I mean, so Pastor Ryan, that's a very simple illustration. My life's a lot more complicated. Well, let me, let me say this to you. We don't live under the law anymore. God's, God's not sitting there in your life watching over every nickel. Going, you just want a $2 scratch off. <laughs> Did you bring your first 20% back into the offering? Can I tell you that God's got bigger things than worrying about that 20 cents? All right? We're not, we're not in the law. We're, we're under grace. So, so God's not, God's not going to be in your life like punishing you every time you miss one time. Remember, it's about our heart. All right? Now, you win that scratch off, bring your 20 cents and bring it into the house of the Lord. <laughs> y'all are looking around like y'all don't play the scratch offs every now and then again. Come on. Some of you aren't even looking at me. Arms folded. <laughs> you, you, you the one. <laughs> I, I kid, but, but here's the point. God's not in this place where he's looking to judge you and cancel out everything you've done if you miss it one time. Tracking with me? I'm teaching my daughter about tithing. And she, and she got in a place where she had made some money on her, um, on her way to go spend the money. And she was panicking, Dad, I can't go spend my money. If I spend my money, then, it, then it's done. It's not the first. I'm like, it's okay, baby. Listen, so what we're going to do is we're talking about it. And I see, I know, I, what, for, he, for us, God sees your heart. So I owed you X amount of dollars. I'm going to give that on the app, and we're going to be good. And you can go spend your money. Okay, thank you, Dad. I was worried. What's the point? And it wasn't about her fuel. It was like $1.50 in tithes. She'd made like 15 bucks. It wasn't that big of a deal. But here's what I was proud about. Not that she was giving her money, but her heart said, God, I can't let anything be in the first place other than you. Does that make sense? It's a, it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. Where is your heart? Well, once, um, once you've determined so, uh, who's getting the first, ask yourself. Because here's the thing. Whoever gets the first becomes Lord in your life. Whoever gets the first becomes Lord. And so once you determine who's getting the first in your life, you say, well, how do you determine that? Well, you, I would say you pull out your checkbook and you look at your, you remember, when, you remember when you used to keep it at the top and you wrote it at the top and you did all that? Y'all don't remember that? When I first learned to use a checkbook, I had the, the little thing at the top and you had to write every, your ledger in at the top. That didn't last very long for me. She can look there and you can tell who's getting the first. My, my point to you is this. When you determine who's getting the first, you're going to determine who's Lord in your life. And then ask yourself, can that Lord deliver on every promise that he's ever spoken over your life? And he deliver on the promise to open up the windows of heaven and, give, and bless you until there's no more need. Because if you can't, you need a new Lord. Number three. Because the first has the power to bless the rest. So it's personal to me because when I give the first, whoever I give the first to, it has the power to bless the rest. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce.
give your first to has the power to bless the rest. When you give your first to God, he has the power to bless the rest in your life. Now, this is not a, a license to go spend all your money any way you want to and to be a bad steward and just blow all your money and think that God's going to keep making it magically appear in your wallet, in your bank account. That's nowhere in Scripture. In fact, Jesus talks and Scripture talks time and time again about being a good steward and who is faithful over a little, God will give you much. Tithing, tithing is not a, a, a get-out-of-bankruptcy-free card. But here's what it means. It means that things that are supposed to produce in your life will produce. It means that, that God may swing some things your way that weren't going to go your way. It means that God can place favor on your life when you wouldn't have had it before. It means that may, God may surprise you with a bill paid off, a bank error in your favor. It means that God is working on your behalf. It's not a substitute for bad stewardship. That's not what tithing. Look, I, pay, I give my first 10% and then I blow the rest and God somehow miraculously gets me through every week. That's not the point. We're missing the point. We're missing the point. But I have to put God first. And then I know that God has blessed me. And I've seen this, Lindsay and I have seen this in our life time and time again. When, when we didn't make any money, God, we just kept putting God first. We kept putting God first. When Lindsay and I first got married, I'm not sure why my father-in-law let us get married on the money I made. Except for the fact that he thought I was so awesome, he didn't want to let me get away. That's the only thing I can think of. I have the best in-laws in the whole world. Uh, but we, we, had, we had nothing. We had nothing. We, we, lived, uh, we lived in a mobile home behind my grandparents' house. I'm not exactly proud of this, but I spliced their, my grandparents' cable and ran cable to our, uh, to our trailer so I could watch, because I, I couldn't, we couldn't afford cable. <laughs> I, that might be stealing. I've had to, forgive, I've had to ask God forgive about it. To, until they sold the house about three months ago when my mom and my grandma, my aunt sold the house after my grandpa died. I kid you not, to the day, the, the, their cable in their house is fuzzy because I spliced it. They never knew why. I never told them. Uh, Papa, you're up there right now. I, I, this, this, this is the truth. We had nothing. <laughs> I don't know why I needed to have a confession. I needed to get that on my heart. It's been burning in my soul for 16 years. I, I, feel, I feel the he, the cleansing healing from... From all of you, thank you. <laughs> uh, but, but even in those days, when we put God first, somehow, like, when, we, when we first got married, and, and, and I won't tell you the numbers, but I, I will tell you this, my entire first paycheck went to rent, um, and most of our second paycheck, the rest of the second paycheck bought a little bit of food the third paycheck went to pay for my insurance, car insurance. The fourth paycheck paid for Lindsay's car insurance. There's nothing left. I mean, this was after tithing. There was, there was nothing left. And yet somehow, God always made a way. He always made a way. So I understand. When Paul says, I know what it means to be in lack, I get it. I know what it means to be in plenty. I get that too. And here's what I can say to you is that God has never failed me because he's always been first in our life. 
And the writer of Hebrews, he, he used this, this phrase that I love so much. It's an anchor to our soul. Because God can't go back on his word and he, and he, can't, he can't lie. And so when he said he's going to take care of me, if I put him first in my life, he's always done that for me. And this has become an anchor to my soul. When I, when I read these words, I'm always taken back to when I was a kid. And um, my, my grandfather, who went to be the, with the Lord last year, uh, he was founding elder of Triumph Church. As, if you didn't know him, his name was uh, I.J. Marshall. And um, I find as much as you see me like my dad, there's so much of my grandfather in me. Um, but he was a very funny man. He was a very, uh, he just, he was always playing jokes on people, always kidding with people. He was, he was a wonderful man. But what you may not know about him was, uh, he, he, when he, after he got saved and got out of the Navy, he became a worship leader in his church. And he actually kind of pioneered, if you will, um, at, you know how we sing kind of from song to song and, and flow in and out of songs? He was one of the pioneers in his generation that started doing that, really singing the song of the Lord and flowing in, in, in the Spirit, even though they were still singing out of hymnals. That was, my grandfather was one. Not not saying he started. I'm saying he was one in a time when that was being pioneered. And so when you see uh, my, my younger sister, uh, Hannah, on the stage singing, you say, well, man, she got that gift from her mom. Actually, she's a third generation. I, apparently, I missed that day. But I remember as a kid, and I'm telling you the story, was, I, I would grow up and my, my grandfather would tell me the stories. He was in the Navy in World War II. And he would tell these stories about, he, he was on, and I, and I forget the exact name of his ship. It wasn't a battleship, but it was like a miniature battleship, if you will. And his job, their, their job was they would take fleets of supplies and soldiers across the Atlantic in World War II. And so they would have ships in the front and the rear of the fleet, and then his ship was on one side, and he had a sister ship on the other side. And they basically went up and down the fleet while they were going across to protect from German subs that were trying to sink our supply ships before they could ever get to the war. And his job was to find the subs. He was a flagman at the very top of the ship, and he would signal to the other ship's if they saw a sub or things like this and um, where they needed to go and all kind of stuff. So he was a signal man that sat at the very top of the ship. And he would tell me stories about going through hurricanes and being in 30 and 40 foot waves on, on the top of the ship. And he, was always, he would always brag uh, about how the captain came to him one time and everybody on the boat was sick. And the captain came to him. And I'll tell you, the story changed over the years. It started with just when I was a kid, it was just him and the captain were the only two that weren't seasick in the middle of this hurricane. By the time he died, he was the only one sick, not sick, and, and the captain had to make him drive the boat. So somewhere in there is the truth. If you know my grandpa, you, you, you understand. But uh, he tells all these stories about going through these hurricanes, and then he told me a story about watching across. He, they were on the left side of the fleet, and watching across the fleet, a, a German a sub snuck up on their sister ship and sunk their sister ship. And he watched the boat sink and the, and the sailors jumping overboard. And, it, and they had to race around to the other side, save as many as they could, and then go after the German sub. And they ended up finding the sub and sinking the sub. You tell these stories. And then my mom would bring him up on stage and, and he would tell the church about these big storms. And I, I remember as a kid just sitting there mesmerized at my grandfather 
And he would sing the words. My mom would have him sing this song. And it, it was a song written in 1944, uh, which, was, which was many of the dark days of World War II, by, by a lady named Ruth C. Jones. They called her Mother Jones. And, and one day she was just uh, cleaning her house, and God dropped these words in her. It's an old song. Some of you may know it. And my grandfather would come up and sing it. And after telling the stories of being out in the Navy, out on the, out on the ocean, and, and the words said, in times like these, you need a Savior. In times like these, you need a Savior. Be very sure. Be very sure that your anchor holds and it grips the solid rock. And then, and then he would sing, and I, I never forget how he'd hold the microphone way away. And This rock is Jesus. Yes, he's the one. Some of you may know it. This rock is Jesus. He's the only one. And he would sing. My mom would start singing with him. Be very sure. I don't know where Hannah's at. Be very sure. That your anchor holds. And it grips the solid rock. I remember thinking as a kid, my grandfather has an anchor. And it took him through the darkest days of the Great War. It took him through difficult times when he grew up with 11 brothers and sisters as a sharecropper on the cotton fields of Mississippi, his anchor held. And as he had gone through his life living for Jesus day in and day out, day in and day out, he had an anchor and he was very sure. It's so personal to me because I decided as a kid sitting on the second row behind my parents right over here in our Needleton campus listening to my grandfather sing. It was as if, it was if he was singing those words to me. Randon, be very sure that your anchor holds and it grips the solid rock. I made a decision on that day. I'm going to make sure that my anchor is locked in Jesus Christ and my relationship with him. And no matter what storms may come my way, no matter what stresses may try to trample me, no matter what difficulties might try to take me out, no matter how many times the devil tried to convince me that my anchor wouldn't hold, I was convinced as a, as a, as a young teenage boy sitting on the second row that if my anchor held for my grandfather through all of those times and all of those days, there is nothing in front of me that if my anchor isn't lodged in the rock of Jesus Christ, nothing, no storm, no attack of the enemy can dislodge me. My my anchor will hold. But the question I have for you tonight is, today, is, is your anchor sure? Are you, are you sure that your anchor is in the right thing? 
Because we can try to put our anchor in the wrong stuff. We can put it in life. We can put it in money. We can put it in our job. We can put it in our spouse. We can put it in our friends. We can put it in our church. You can put it in a lot of the wrong places. But the question is for you. Is your anchor lodged in the rock of Jesus Christ? Because that's the only thing that's going to take you through the storms. Where's your anchor? Where's your anchor? I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads for just a moment. And and this is the simple question. Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? I'm talking about deeper than a a sinner's prayer that you said uh, uh, when when you were 17 years old. I'm talking about are you sure deep in your spirit? Because if you're not sure, we need to get sure right now. Say, Pastor Rennan, I I don't know that I've been sure, but today I want God to be the Lord of my life. I want him to be my anchor and and hold me through the storms. I'm going through difficulties right now. I just want you to slip up your hands and let's be sure today. Let's get it it right. We're going to say a prayer, but more than that, it's a reflection of your heart. I see hands going up. There's a few more that need to go up right now. You want to give your life to Jesus. You want to make a fresh start with him and make sure that he is your rock and your anchor. If you're watching online, I'm talking to you today. I'm talking to you today. The storms of life are pulling you to the left or right. Get rooted in Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for every hand that's lifted. I thank you that even right now, it's not about saying words. It's about our heart is getting rooted in you. It's getting anchored in you, Lord God. There's a, there's a connection being made in our spirit. Lord, we are believing in our heart right now that you are our Lord, you are our Savior, you are our King, that you've already died for us and completed the work of salvation, that we might have this great hope, this anchor to hold us. Father, when we put you first in our life, as we are today, Lord, we're putting you first, knowing that you will be there for us. You will protect us. You will will watch over us. I thank you for it right now. Our lives and our heart belong to you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Stand with me if you would. I'm going to pray for you today. and I I know, and and this is not me, me prophesying, but I know because I, I know some things happening in our church that there are people that are going through some storms right now. You're going through some difficulties right now. And, and I want to pray for you. And, I, and I'm assuming that uh, or believing that there are other people here today that, that are as well. And if you're going through some storms in your life and you need God to be your anchor and you love Jesus, you just needed him to help you with these storms right now, to calm the waves. That's the kind of God we serve. Would you just lift up both hands with me and let's pray together. Father, I believe that you're a God who is more powerful than every storm in our life. That you can say to the winds and the waves, be still, and they have to answer. They have to respond. So, Lord, right now we say to the storms in our life, peace, be still. Yes, Lord, our anchor is holding, but right now, God, we need some storms to cease. We need some things to pass. Uh, Lord, I'm declaring right now that the sun is breaking through the clouds, that a ray of hope, that, that a sign that you're on the subject is coming through this week in the name of Jesus. Things are changing. We declare it to be so. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Clap your hands and rejoice in the Lord this morning.
I bless you in the name of the Lord. Bless in the city, bless in the field, bless going in and bless going out. May the Lord bless all of your efforts with success and may you wear his favor as a shield protecting you from every attack of the enemy. May the Lord be your anchor. May he be your rock. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.